welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth, and welcome to the second in our series of two episodes all about flying and flights. And this is definitely something that will be touched on many, many more times in the future because there's so many different aspects of buying flights and flying to talk about. Uh, But last week we talked about how to find cheap flights and the best deals that you can and all the different um, sort of creative ways that you can approach that process to find the best deal. And I mentioned in that episode that I was actually going through the process myself at the time because I'm uh, planning to leave Taiwan in a couple months. So I've been sort of casually keeping an eye on flights, occasionally searching for flights just to see if I saw something good. And maybe I was inspired by recording that episode because that night I actually bought my flight. Um, And it was really cool. I could sort of see myself going through the process that I had described to all of you guys and really implementing some of the tools that I talked about in the episode that you know, I'd, I'd fallen out of the habit of doing, you know, maybe I haven't always been as thorough in searching as I should be or could be. And so I was really reminded, I think, by compiling all of that information of the process that I should be going through as well. Um, and I ended up with, I won't say a great deal because um, flights are more expensive right now because of the pandemic, but I ended up with a much better deal than what I was originally seeing, just doing like casual searching. So I started out using Skyscanner and Mamondo, Mamondo, still don't know how to say that. Um, Those are my two go-to flight searching websites. And what they were returning just didn't, you know, didn't make sense. It was really, really expensive and really long layovers in random places. And again, like I said last week, sometimes those random layovers and unusual places can get you a good deal. But it was one of those situations, in this case, it just, it didn't seem right. Um, One flight even had me going like the other direction around the world, um, flying from Uh, Taiwan to the U.S., especially more like the West Coast U.S., but I think anywhere in the country, you fly across the Pacific. Um, And one flight had me going like through Turkey the other direction. I was like, that's just absurd. This doesn't make sense at all. So then I switched to Kiwi, which I haven't used recently, but I was reminded of because of the podcast. So I went to Kiwi.com Kiwi had much better deals. I was like, okay, this looks really good. Um, Less expensive by a few hundred dollars. Um, The, you know, like the duration and the layovers and everything just made a lot more sense. Um, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to buy one of these. And then I went to buy it and they were going to charge me $190 for one checked bag and it was only allowed to be 40 pounds. And so if you're unfamiliar with this, generally it it totally varies depending on airline and, you know, whether you're buying like economy or business or whatever. But generally for transcontinental flights, you get at least one checked bag free and the weight limit is usually 50 pounds. Um, That's kind of standard. Um, And 50 pounds in kilograms is something I should know off the top of my head. 
uh, because I do it in kilograms sometimes, 22.6. So I think it's usually like 23 kg, or maybe it's 20. I don't know. It's never exactly the same, but it's pretty close um, for what they allow you in kilograms. Um, so yeah, this was really weird. I was like, you're going to make me pay $200 for one checked bag that can only be 40 pounds? That's not right. And I'm planning on taking two suitcases back, so I kind of wanted two checked bags. Uh, So I decided in that case to go directly to the airline website um, for the main airline that was operating the trip, and I did the search there, and it was even better. The prices were even lower, and they were allowing me two free checked bags at 50 pounds. and so that's the, you know, the ticket I ended up going with just because it made so much sense and it was a much better deal. So I put everything that we talked about last week into practice and that was really fun after recording that episode and sort of the proof that like it can work, it does work. Um, I was definitely constrained by like dates and obviously location, like I had to fly into a specific place. But like I said in the last episode, um, I had about three different airports that I could potentially fly into. So I was looking at all of those. One was far more expensive. So I just immediately discarded that. Um, Yeah. So again, play with all the factors in your reservation because usually some will be better than others. Don't take what is initially offered. I There have been times in the past for me where I've seen an extra charge or something, you know, like a fee for a bag or something like that. And I've just sort of thought like, well, it's the price we pay for traveling. I need to just suck it up and do it. And Sometimes that may be the case. Sometimes there's no way around an extra fee or or something, but generally you can find a better way. (laughs) Um, And the ticket that I found was definitely proof of that. I was really happy with what I ended up with. So my ticket back to the States is sorted. I'm officially leaving on August 3rd, which may be coming up very soon or may have already passed. It'll probably be coming up soon by the time this episode is released. Right now it's about um, six or seven weeks away. So very excited about that. That was my little saga connecting these two episodes. But today we are going to talk about how to make it through a long haul flight. Um, Again, kind of a coincidence. I mean, I didn't intend to plan these episodes around my life right now. But like I said last week, everyone's getting back into traveling. We're booking tickets. We're going to be flying soon. So um, this is something I wanted to get into because I've actually talked to, oh, I don't know about a lot, but several people. I know several people who cannot imagine being on an airplane for more than four or five hours. Like I have a, a family member who told me once that like six hours was absolutely miserable and, you know, she couldn't imagine ever, ever doing a, a, you know, a flight like, like I do, like 12 hours, 13 hours. Um, And I, I don't know, I, I understand that like 12 hours on an airplane is absurd, but it's necessary if you want to travel to certain parts of the world. And I think I enter kind of like a weird psychological state when I'm anticipating a long haul flight or when I'm on it, where 
your entire world just kind of shrinks to that airplane cabin and you know there's you you know that life goes on underneath you at your origin and at your destination and you know if you're flying to family or friends someone might be there to pick you up and you know that they're going about their life while you're on the airplane but all of that ceases to exist you're just in this cabin and you know normally in an 8 or 10 or 12 hour day you're doing so many things you're you're going to work you're going to the gym you are um, you know, going out to dinner or to lunch or meeting friends or, you know, doing all the things that we do in our daily life that could take up that amount of time. And yet now you're on this airplane for that same amount of time. And so in a weird way, I don't want you to think that I'm like saying it's a breeze. It's no big deal. It's totally easy. But in a weird way, I feel like it actually is easier. Like in some twisted way, 12 hours on an airplane feels like less than 12 hours in daily life, if that makes any sense. I don't know. I'm trying to describe something that happens to my mind, which is very hard to do. Um, I guess I'm just here to say that it's totally possible. Uh, I have some recommendations that I've used many times myself um, for how to make the best of this situation and get yourself through it with hopefully your health and your sanity and um, all of that good stuff. And I was thinking about it before this episode. What is the longest flight that I've ever been on? I think it was 15 hours and I think it was actually the first time I flew to Taiwan. I think. Um, I flew to Hong Kong first so I think it may have been like Chicago to Hong Kong or something. Um, But I do remember having a flight that was 15 hours. Usually my flights, like the long section of the trip back and forth between Taiwan and the U.S. is about 12 hours. Um, So still very long. And actually the longest flight in the world, I looked this up, it is by Singapore Airlines. The longest nonstop flight in the world is between Singapore and New York, JFK, which is an 18-hour flight. 18 hours. The flight is so long that they have to have a specially outfitted airplane that has extra fuel capacity to make it through that whole flight. Uh, So you could be taking an 18-hour flight at some point, but generally I feel like the long haul, the Pacific flights are, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 (laughs) hours. Um, Just to give you some context for what we're talking about here and how long you may be on the airplane. Sort of approaching this in chronological order, the first thing to do, you can probably do this when you buy your ticket, but at the very least um, when you're checking in or something like that. I've realized I say something like that a lot. There's nothing like podcasting to really make you aware of words that you overuse. (laughs) Um, So Choose your seat. Yeah. Are you a window seat person or an aisle seat person? Now, for short flights, for an hour or two, I do prefer the window. I like to be able to see. And I think going back to our episode on fear of flying, I think being able to see out the window, especially if there's no clouds, if I can see the ground, I find that reassuring in some weird way. I don't know why, Um, but I like to be able to see. And of course, like sometimes there's amazing views like flying over the Rocky Mountains, which is what I'm going to be doing soon. So I'm really looking forward to some of those incredible views. But if you're going to be on the airplane for more than 
um, you know, a few hours or, you know, like I said, even up to 12 or 15, I always try to go for aisle seat. I mean, I don't want to pressure you, but I would suggest going for the aisle seat because you want to be able to stand up and get up whenever you want. And I always try to be really considerate of my seatmates, like people in the middle seat. Um, You know, they can get up whenever they want as well. That's no problem. I will always move. But if you're stuck in a middle seat and the person like falls asleep or something, you can really get stuck there and... I don't know. I don't like asking people to move for me. So I like to have the aisle so that I have that ultimate freedom to move about as much as I want. So that is booking your ticket. Uh, Try to choose your seat. Most places will let you select your seat when you are buying the ticket. You can choose for each leg of your uh, flight. And you know, there's a lot of upgrades available. I never do them. I might, like if there was nothing else available, no other aisle seats available by the time I had bought my ticket, I might pay for an upgrade, but generally I'm not an upgrade person. Um, I just, I stick with what's available and make the best of it, but that's totally up to you. If that's, if it's worth it for you, absolutely go for it. You can also usually pay for seats with more leg room, like the exit rows. Um, And we're not even getting into the different classes (laughs) right now. This is all strictly like economy for what we're talking about. Um, The day before you fly, maybe even a few days before you fly, try to just get some exercise or physical activity, do whatever you like to do, because you're going to be sitting in one position for a really long time um, on the airplane. So, you know, might as well get some exercise the day before, just sort of prep your body for that. I remember one time before I flew to Taiwan, I'd been having like some neck trouble or back trouble. And my mom took me to see her chiropractor, uh, which was great. It was, you know, it was really good for my body, but the chiropractor was kind of like, well, you're about to be on the airplane for 12 hours tomorrow, so you're probably going to undo everything that I do right now. Uh, so maybe that was not the best timing, but just in general, move your body as much as you can in the day or the few days before you fly. You know, every little bit helps in this kind of situation. Some people swear by making yourself really tired for the flight so that you can sleep on the plane, um, like staying up late or not sleeping the night before. Again, that's personal preference. I I just go with the flow, honestly. If I get tired, I get tired. If I don't, I just watch tons of movies. Um, And speaking of sleeping, you know, you could also take sleeping pills or like melatonin or something to try to regulate when you sleep and how much you sleep, that's not really something you want to do without trying it out first because you don't necessarily know how your body is going to react. Maybe it doesn't hit quite as soon as you thought it would and you end up being wide awake for the flight and then exhausted when you get there. So um, definitely an option, but you do want to be familiar with what you're working with in that situation. And what to wear on the plane. Obviously, dress comfortably. Everything you read about this is going to tell you to dress comfortably. I am no exception. One of my, this is totally random, but one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow is Sharon Says So. Uh, She mostly does like government uh, political information. (laughs) But one thing that she also talks a lot about is hard pants, which is her phrase for jeans and any other kind of like constricting um, 
pant that you might wear, things that would cut into your waistband or something like that. So no hard pants, uh, no jeans, in my opinion. Um, you know, things things that are comfortable, things that are stretchy. In terms of presentability, again, this is personal preference. I think you're out in public, you should still be presentable as you would be out in public. I'm not a fan of the whole like complete PJ set and fuzzy slippers and stuff unless it's on like a two-year-old. Um, I think you should wear clothes, actual clothes and not pajamas, but definitely make sure they're comfortable. You know, you're not there to be a fashionista while you're sitting for 13 hours um, in an airplane seat, or maybe you are, in which case maybe I want your life and you're probably in first class anyway. <laughs> um, layers are fantastic for flying because You can often be really hot when you're moving around the airport, carrying a bunch of stuff, but flights get really cold, and I don't really know why. I guess they just, you know, when they turn the lights off and everyone goes to sleep, they circulate the air, the air conditioner, but I usually get freezing in the middle of a flight, so layers, sweatshirts, things you can take on and or put put on and take off, I got that backwards, um, are definitely helpful, and In terms of what to bring, uh, make sure you have a convenient carry-on. You know, I'm not a fan of the whole roller suitcase in the overhead compartment just because I don't want to be standing up to get a random thing that I forgot to put in my pocket um, and having to access that overhead bin. I usually have a big backpack that I do put overhead, but I also have like a purse or a really small backpack that I keep under the seat in front of me that has everything I need for the flight. And I did read a lot of recommendations for getting upgrades or, you know, pay to access the airport lounge. Again, that's totally great if that's your jam. Um, And if someone offered me a free upgrade, I would absolutely take it. But that's never something that like I've asked for or tried to get. Um, I would probably not pay for an airport lounge. That's just, again, my preference. But I've would probably make the whole experience of flying more relaxing and more enjoyable. So um, that's an option. And speaking of paying for things, Wi-Fi, it frustrates me to no end that Wi-Fi is not free on airplanes. I feel like it's you can access it almost anywhere else. You can access it in the airports. Although actually, that's not necessarily true. I feel like I have been blocked by paywalls in airports before. Um So yes, there is usually Wi-Fi on long-haul flights. Yes, it is usually very expensive. Sometimes I will pay for it, but I always do the cheapest option because usually they'll offer you like unlimited and then like five hours and then like one hour, (laughs) like 30 minutes. Um, So sometimes I will do it if I'm just getting like really frustrated or really scared by turbulence or something and I want to be able to text a friend. But I usually just go for the cheapest option, like the 30 minutes or an hour. And I try to do it like in the middle of the flight, you know, make sure I schedule that time that time that I'm paying for somewhere mid-flight, just so it's not like right after um, I already had Wi-Fi access when before we took off and I'm going to have it again when we land so I can make the most out of what I'm stingily paying for. Um, and then when you're on the flight, hopefully you have that aisle seat 
Every article you read about this will tell you, get up and walk and stretch as often as you can, generally uh, at least once an hour if you can. It's so good for your body in general. Sitting in that position for hours and hours on end is not good for you, so any movement is great. It also help helps to avoid deep vein thrombosis, which we have all heard about, which is the blood clots um, usually in your legs. So... You know, just get up and walk around. Don't try not to get in people's way. Don't be that person. Don't do it when they're serving food. That's super annoying. But there's going to come a point where where they'll turn off all the lights in the cabin. A lot of people will just go to sleep or start watching movies. Um, That's a great time to go walk up and down the aisle a couple of times. My personal preference is to go to, it's usually like the exit row, I think, just the area where there's a lot of empty space. Um... And I like to do some squats and some stretching there (laughs) just to get my body moving, get the blood flowing. Um, You know, nothing, nothing crazy. I don't get down on the floor or anything like that, but some squats and some toe touches and overhead reaches and things like that. And then uh, movies and TV shows, of course, are a huge part of the process. Uh, That's sort of how I segment the trip in my mind. You know, I think like, okay, well, I've got 12 hours. Uh, You know, maybe that's three or four movies. (laughs) Um, And if you can get through a movie, you've already knocked out like two hours of the flight. That's a huge chunk of time just by watching one movie. So I do recommend movies, TV shows, all of that stuff. I mean, we're going to get, I'm going to give you a specific list of things to bring after this. So, um, you know, your own entertainment and media is really important as well. And actually, we're there already. So here is the list of things that I recommend to bring. You could add a lot more to this list. A lot of things that I read online, lists that other you know experts and bloggers and uh, media companies have compiled are really, really long lists. Like you'd need an entire suitcase just to bring everything that they are recommending to bring in your carry-on. Um, So I do like to keep it simple, but these are the things that I would always have with me and that I would recommend you have with you in your carry-on bag. In addition, obviously, to your phone and or your, well, probably not or, but and, (laughs) your laptop or whatever other technology you bring, Um, power banks, external chargers that are fully charged, and any cords that you need, um, USB or chargers or things like that. It's way easier to find charging options in airports than it used to be. You know, it used to be we were all scrambling for for those like three wall chargers, only two of which worked, and you'd have to sit on the floor with your uh, laptop and everything. But now it seems like most airports have the big charging stations where you can plug in your USB and everyone just sits around there. So it is a lot easier to find charging possibilities, but you still want to make sure that Um, It's not like a critical situation and your phone is about to die. Um, So bring everything you need regarding your technology. Bring your own snacks, of course. On a long-haul flight, you're probably going to get a couple of actual meals, but it's still airplane food. It's still, you know... Um, Some is better than others, (laughs) definitely, but make sure you have your own snacks. If nothing else, at least it passes the time to eat something. So uh, whatever you prefer in that area and water, 
bring a reusable water bottle. A lot of airports will have those water dispensers now for water bottles. Um, In recent years, I've started to see a lot of like flight attendants saying, don't drink the water on airplanes. Uh, And at first I was kind of skeptical. I was like, oh, that seems like a conspiracy theory. But it seems now like it's very true that the water tanks that the water comes out of for like tea and coffee and, and stuff like that on the airplanes are not cleaned very often and it's like the same water as the bathroom. I don't know. I'm, I'm speaking off the top of my head here, so don't cite this as an exact fact, but generally it seems like that water is not very clean. So don't drink the tea or the coffee or anything that's made with that general water. Uh, sometimes they will pass out actual bottles of water, maybe those tiny little ones. Those are great. Go for that. But also if you can have your own um, reusable water that you've filled before you've gotten on the airplane, that is ideal. And in terms of entertainment, we already talked about movies and things. Um, If you have anything on your phone or your computer, make sure it's pre-downloaded in case you cannot or don't want to access the Wi-Fi. TV shows, movies, podcasts, music, all that stuff real offline entertainment like actual books or a journal or a notebook or, you know, any other work that you need to get done, homework, uh, you know, actual job work. Um, I, I personally don't like doing real work on an airplane. I feel like my brain really shuts off. I sort of enter like zombie survival mode, so I can't imagine doing anything productive on a long haul flight. But for some people, that sort of solitude could be really inspiring or just like a great chunk of time to get a lot of stuff done. So you do you. Uh, Bring that that work if that's uh, what works for you. And for sleeping, um, an eye mask can be great. I I don't have one. I've never really used one. I'm just, I'm low maintenance. I'm kind of (laughs) lazy. So that's not something I've ever really used, but a lot of people swear by it and I mask for sleeping. Uh, Pillows and blankets. Again, I'm going to put that in the up to you category. I actually don't like using pillows on airplanes. I think even the smallest ones are just like too big for me in that confined space. And I find that like they just push my head really far forward um, in a way that is uncomfortable to me. So I don't like pillows. Uh, Blankets, sure, but I'm not going to bring one. It just seems like an unnecessary thing to carry around when you're not on the airplane. Um, Same thing with a pillow. Uh, Airlines will offer their own pillows and blankets on these long haul flights. And at first I thought that was great. Then I learned that they are reused, and I thought that was disgusting. Then I did some research, and I found out that they are often single-use, and if they're not, they are shipped off to be sanitized between flights. It doesn't seem like that is something that they are just telling us. I did find a lot of places to back that up, that they are actually cleaned if they are reused. It's not something that they are lying to us about. Although, again, I'm sure some flight attendants listening to this are like, no, we just, we put them back in the the seats after the first flight and we use them again. Uh, Maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, If you are a flight, flight attendant, let me know. I would love to hear the ins and outs of everything like that. 
So my takeaway for bringing your own pillow and blanket or neck pillow, um, I don't I don't think it's worth it again because it's just something that you have to carry when you're not using it. But if that's what gets you to sleep on an airplane, by all means do it. Because again, if you can knock out a couple hours sleeping on the flight, that's a couple hours down from your 12 hour flight. So that's fantastic. One thing about airplanes for many reasons is that they are very dry. It's that recycled air. It's the altitude. So my skin, I think this is really common for everybody, my skin gets so dry on an airplane. So it's not critical, but I do recommend bringing a facial mist. Um, Some people actually bring like sheet masks for your face to do mid-flight. Whatever works for you, I do find that it's just, you know, my face starts to feel really like tight and stretched and I don't like it. So if there's like a small little mister that I can just throw in my purse, um, I do really enjoy that. You know, hand lotion, things like that. Um, toothbrush, toothpaste, a personal preference. Again, there's the water issue. Maybe don't use the, the tap water, the sink water in the bathroom to brush your teeth, but anything that makes you feel clean, makes you feel like you're going through your normal nighttime routine that might help you sleep. Um, for me, it's mostly the, the hygiene thing, the, the clean feeling. I really hate that like fuzzy feeling that you get on your teeth after, going 12 hours or something without brushing them. So I do I do like to brush my teeth. It's not critical if I forget my toothbrush, but it is a nice thing to be able to do when you're in that situation. Um, if you take any medication, make sure you have it conveniently located in your carry-on so it's not stuck in your checked baggage and you realize you can't get it when you need to take it. Uh, my little trick for <laughs> calculating what time to take something, if you have to take a pill or medication at a specific time, what I've done when I've thought like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be like up in the air, I'm not at the origin time, I'm not at the destination time, how am I going to calculate what time I need to take this? I set a timer on my phone from the last time I took it. So the day before, at the regular time that I have to take this pill, I set a timer for 24 hours, uh, for 24 hours, and then the timer will go off on my phone at whatever random time in the flight, uh, but I don't have to worry about trying to calculate time differences and how long has it been and all that stuff, or even like, you know, accidentally sleeping through it or something because the alarm will wake you up. So that's my little trick. Again, maybe it's overthinking it, but it works for me and it might work for you. And then the last thing, always important, but especially important now, and I'm not even getting into the COVID-related stuff, like, yes, now you must wear a mask, all that stuff. It's, you know, you know that, so we're not going to talk about it. But especially now, hand sanitizer, wet wipes, Um, I'm... Generally, in non-COVID times, I don't care about hand sanitizer. Like, I wash my hands regularly. That's good enough. I don't need to be, like, overly sanitized. Um, But on an airplane, I think it's a little bit of a different story. Just so many people are touching all of those surfaces. We're all so close together. I do use hand sanitizer when I'm on an airplane. And especially now during COVID, I will use it a lot. Uh, wipe down your tray table, the um, armrests on your chair, you know, the the buttons that you're touching on the um, TV screen if you have it in the back of your seat, which you should on a long haul flight. Um, Just all that stuff to be a little bit extra cautious about 
germs and sanitation these days. So that brings us to the end of the tips and advice for surviving a long-haul flight. If I could distill it into a couple of words, I would probably say it comes down to comfort and distraction. (laughs) Make sure you have everything you need to be comfortable, uh, whether that's the seat you're in, the clothes you're wearing, the facial mist, uh, your pillow if you need it, whatever that is, and make sure you have what you need to be distracted for 12, 15 hours, you know, whether that's books, movies, podcasts, all that stuff. You can do it. It's it's totally possible. It's not an enjoyable experience, but the benefits, I think, far outweigh it. For me, the benefits now of my upcoming flight is going home for the first time in, as my mom put it the other day, a year and three quarters, which is totally correct. It's It's been longer than a year and a half, but it hasn't quite been two years, but I just loved how specific she was about that. Um You know, whether it's going home, whether it's embarking on a new adventure, a new trip, um, it's well worth it to, you know, to make it through these crazy long flights. And if you have traveled on the 18-hour flight, I want to know what that was like. Uh, I mean, I guess once you've done 15 hours, a a three-hour difference, three more hours, what is three more hours after 15 hours? (laughs) But... Still, if you've been on that flight, I want to hear about it. What are your top tips or what are your must-haves or must-dos for making it through a long-haul flight? I would love to hear about it. You can send those tips and any questions or stories or anything else to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and on Twitter at goingoutyour. I'm so excited that we are all back to booking flights and traveling responsibly soon. I'm just so thrilled about that. I've been browsing, um, you know, travel destinations and things on Instagram and on blogs, and I'm so ready to hit the road again after some good at-home time. So, so excited that we're here together, we're traveling together, and I will talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door. (laughs) 